Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. On this latest edition of our podcast, I'll be joined by outgoing Oregon senior Peyton Pritchard and outgoing Utah State senior Sam Merrill as we continue our Senior Showcase Series. Uh, You can check out our edition last week where we talked to uh, Kamar Baldwin from Butler and Yudoka Azubuke from Kansas. And then on our March Madness social media platforms, we had a great breakdown with Kamar Baldwin and Laval Jordan from Butler going over all his buzzer beaters and uh, just tremendous the way we uh, were able to analyze those and a great insight from Jordan and Baldwin looking to do that with our seniors on the Senior Showcase. And so we want to start out with some of the greatest moments for each of these two players that you're going to hear uh, over the next uh, few minutes or so here on the podcast. Uh, And I want to start with Peyton Pritchard and my top five. And I went over this with Peyton in terms of his top five moments from this past season at Oregon because it was outstanding. Um, He had an unbelievable career at Oregon. You're going to hear from him detail Uh, what it was like to play with so many different players with the Ducks, play for Dana Altman, uh, evolve into a big-time Pac-12 Player of the Year candidate, uh, a player that could play in the NBA. Uh, This was not destined for him when he arrived in Eugene, but yet he answered every time. So here's my top five uh, for Peyton Pritchard for this past season. Let's start at number five. And Oregon storms back from 19 down. To Chuck Seton Hall. What a job by Peyton Pritchard, Shakur Justin, and his Oregon team. Game down in the battle for Atlantis against Seton Hall. Great win for the Ducks. 16 points, six assists. Uh, just an overall masterful performance for Peyton Pritchard. Really showed the kind of true point guard that he is for Oregon. At number four, Pritchard is calling for it here. Shot clock down to five. Pritchard. Falling away, ties the game at 66. Oregon wins it. And Peyton Pritchard throws the ball to the heavens. How about the game against Arizona? This game was at home. A game-tying mid-range jumper to force overtime. He finished with 18 points and seven rebounds and six assists in that game. And for number three, let's go to Washington. Four seconds, three seconds. Pritchard has to hoist. Oh! Onions! My goodness! Off balance, fading back. Oregon with an epic comeback against Washington. They win it in overtime, 64-61. to Peyton Pritchard is the hero. Peyton Pritchard had never lost a game in Seattle. And didn't this past season. 22 points, 6 of 13. 22 points, 6 of 13. 
He hit the game-winning three, okay? Game-winning three in overtime. And number two. It is hell to the victorious Oregon Ducks in overtime. A fight to the finish between Oregon and Michigan. Pritchard is just absolutely sensational. This was a great game earlier in the season at Michigan. He scored 15 of Oregon's last 17 points in second half and overtime. Finished with 23 points, 11-19 from the field. That ended up being a real critical win for the Ducks to get that win at Michigan. Because that came after Michigan had won the battle for Atlantis. We're going to talk about that one. And number one, Richard career 30-point game. Short rebound Pritchard. Oregon is going to hang on, and the Ducks (laughs) win it in overtime. You can't believe it. A win in Tucson at Arizona. Finished with 38 points, making six threes. Just tremendous work by Peyton Pritchard this past season for Oregon. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Peyton Pritchard. Uh, now I have to say formerly of Oregon, which is kind of bizarre uh, because it feels like he's been there quite a while and had an unbelievable career. Uh, Peyton, is it kind of weird to hear formerly of Oregon? Um, I mean, a little bit, but I mean, I'm ready for the next next step in my journey and uh, to go try something new. How do you even put in perspective everything that you accomplished over four years? Uh, you know, I think it's just uh, all the hard work and all the time and the hours in the gym paid off and uh, just those games and winning with my team is just from, it's just from all that hard work and all that. So when you arrived on campus, I mean, what, what did you think could play out in terms of your impact, your ability to lead and and to potentially become what you did as a senior, which was the go-to player? You know, I always had that vision in my head and, um, and that's exactly what I worked for every day. So, uh, you know, I might've been one of very few people that believed in me and, and knew that was possible, but, uh, you know, obviously that this year it happened and then the end of my junior year, it started to happen. Like I said before, from my hard work, um, that's what I worked for. So obviously like, that's great. I mean, you believed it, but what did you think they envisioned you doing over the course of four years? Um, you know, I'm I'm not sure. Uh, you know, I think I think Coach Alman thought I was going to be a good player. Um, he knew I worked hard, but I I'm not sure what if they thought I was, uh, you know, capable of uh, becoming the player I was or or not. You know, that's 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 a hard thing to to see from certain players. And um, you know, I think eventually through my career, he started believing more and more because he seen my hard work and and the dedication I put in each and every day. And, um, you know, every coach then starts to become a believer because you're seeing that that work ethic every day. So if you were to advise those that are coming behind you, whether they're at Oregon or anywhere else, um, what's the best way to build that kind of trust uh, with your head coach to, to empower you to take and ultimately make those kind of big-time shots that you had this past season? Well, you gotta you gotta show that you put in time. You gotta show that you're working on your game, you're expanding your game. And I think you know, for any coach, that's what he wants to see from from his player, and and know that he's put in the hours, he, he's worked on those shots, and and then a the coach will be comfortable with you taking them because he's seen seen the work behind the scenes. So, you know, I think for any player coming in, you know, you can't you can't be about the talk, you can't be about that. You just gotta be about the work. 
um, especially coming in um, as a young person, you got to just show that you're about the grind and you're willing to work. So I've lost count of the total count of how many players you played with. Uh, do, do you know the number? I think it's like 37. Um, and it's amazing because first of all, it's not like people were bailing. It was because uh, a lot of guys left early for the draft, mm-hmm. you know, and so you guys added transfers. It was a whole mix of different players. Uh, and the program obviously has had exceptional success both in the Pac-12 and in the NCAA tournament. Um, how were you able to be that constant and, and manage relationships and, and be a leader with so many different faces that you had to deal with as the point guard? You know, I think there's one quality of leadership that can they can go to any other team, and that's uh, being competitive and, and showing the fight inside of somebody. Um, you know, people respect that. People respect the work and, and the, to do things that you're willing to give up yourself to just for the better of the team and for the win. And I think people respect that. And I think as a leader, if you show those qualities, I mean, any team will, will follow you. So you guys, as I said, had so many great memories. And I, I thought last season w- was sort of a way to sort of epitomize, you know, this program where early on, not predicted maybe to do as well, struggled a little early. And actually, I'm talking about two seasons ago, not this past season. And then you guys went on this great run, ultimately win the Pac-12 tournament and then get to the Sweet 16. How, how satisfying was that, which ultimately was your, your junior season? Definitely. I mean, that was a rocky season and a lot of ups and downs for emotions. And, uh, you know, you know that those type of years right there test you as a, as a player and it can either make you or it can break you. And, uh, you know, I was down and I kind of tried to pick myself up and get back back to it. And then our team kind of just followed and we just went on a, uh, a great run and, you know, we ended up losing to Virginia, which, you know, we were right in the, to the end and had a chance, but um, the team always had the talent and um, to win, but we just had to find, find, a, find the pieces to put together to, to help that run happen. All right. So I, I guess I could go top five in your career, but I feel like there were so many moments this senior season. Uh, so uh, off the cuff here, um, help me out. What are maybe your top five either games or memories that you had from this past season? Do I have to put it in order? No. Okay. I'm just, yeah, that'd be tough in order. Um, <laughs> five. Okay. Well, we'll start from like the beginning of the season. So, um, Michigan. And, and why is that? Let's expand a little on each one. Why Michigan? Obviously that was a long trip. It was cross country, um, packed house. And, uh, we were, I think 10 in the country and they were five. So, just a big game, um, and we took them to overtime. And how the game ended and us getting stops was that was, that was unbelievable. Especially you know getting a road win like that, you can't ask for anything better. Um, next, the Seton Hall game when we came back, that was that was great. But I'm, I'm gonna leave that one until I can figure out the rest. Okay. Uh, Washington at Washington. Why that one? Growing up in AU since like second grade, first grade, all the way up is like a rivalry. Um, and so I kind of grew up in that. And so I understand the rivalry and for us to win and then hitting a game winner like that, like that was, that was special. That was a special moment for sure. So that's, that's in the top five. Um, I know one that I'm going to see if you're going to say. Uh, Arizona. Arizona. It's got to be Arizona. It's got to be in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, Arizona. I actually was going to say both Arizona games. Tell me about each one that you remember. Well, the first one, 
you know, we were kind of struggling a little bit. We were down the whole game and um, found a way to come back. Uh, we, I think we were down six, like two minutes left, and we had to get stops. And um, we ended up getting stops and sending it into overtime and pulling out. But I think the second one at Arizona, like I said, playing on the road and getting road wins is, you know, that's big, especially in an atmosphere like that. And, uh, uh, like, we were down six again. I don't even know how we won that game. But, uh, you know, obviously Arizona missed free throws and we came out with it. But that was probably – I would say that one was number one for sure. Well, the crazy thing in that game was uh, I think what you would hit the shot and then the foul came after that on the long pass. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So it looked like the game was over and then the foul happens and then he still misses the free throw. Yeah. No, I was, I was in a position where I was like, I go for the steal if I don't get it. And this easy layup when we lose or if I foul him and don't really let him get a layup in. Um, we hope he, we hope he misses at least one, but he ended up missing two. So. All right. So we, we mentioned, um, all right. So we got two Arizona games. We got, um, Michigan, Michigan, that's uh, three, Washington. Washington, four. You mentioned Seton Hall. Let's go back to that one. Why? Uh, we were down 20. Uh, I think Miles Powell was, it was going crazy from the three-point line that game. Now, that game was in battle for Atlantis. Yes, that was. And, um, you know, everybody thought we were dead in the water, too. And then down, I, I really think we were down 20 with, like, 15, 14 minutes left. And uh, we just started, you know, pushing our way back and, Came all the way back and got a couple stops at the end again, and and uh, I shot a three, and uh, Shakur ended up coming up with the rebound and putting it back in, and then we won. You know what's great is that you um, you embraced, I felt like, every opportunity that you had. Uh, and look, players can come out whenever they can come out, but I also think that uh, you're a great example of how you can – make college basketball also work for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you took your advantages and, and everything. I mean, when you look back on what this sport and going to college and ending up being there for four years meant to you, uh, what, what was it? I mean, it was special. Um, you know, Oregon is a family to me and just to, I grew so much as, as a person and as a player that, you know, when I first got to college, I definitely, you know, wasn't the player that I am today. And, or the person and and it made me grow and become who I am. And so I think now leaving and going to the NBA now is Oregon has made me the most ready that I'll ever be for that moment. So um, I'm very thankful for these last four years and, you know, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Well, Peyton, we appreciate it. You uh, provided some great memories for all of us that uh, watch and, uh, you know, uh, and live this game for our living as well. So really appreciate it. Best of luck to everything, and more than anything, just stay safe out there. Hey, thanks, Andy. Appreciate it. So you heard from Peyton Pritchard, and I'm convinced that the Ducks would have been a team that, you know, at least would have been a Sweet 16 team. He had that ability, late shot maker. I think we would have seen them deep in the NCAA tournament and really has been an outstanding, uh, really, role model for Oregon's program over the last couple of seasons. All right. So now let's transition, stay out west, to Sam Merrill from Utah State. So Sam Merrill um, really did a tremendous job of elevating the Utah State program. And we're going to get into his decision coming out of high school, the lineage that he had with his family at Utah State, 
uh, took a mission before, uh, and then evolved into a big-time talent, a talent that certainly could play at the next level. Uh, Sam was able to lead the UTAGs, Utah State Aggies, uh, to the NCAA tournament. Uh, would have been two years in a row. Uh, they won the year before when it was expected to be Nevada. And then this year, they were expected to be second to San Diego State, and yet they upset San Diego State in the Mountain West Conference Tournament, a tournament that was able to be completed before the shutdown. So outstanding work by Sam Merrill, who bleeds Utah State blue. All right, so before we get to Sam here, my top five that we're going to go over with him from Sam Merrill. At number five, I'm going to a game in 2019 against Air Force, where he had 18, 12, and five, a critical game at the time. At number four. How about that? A bucket and then a beautiful drive by Merrill. A basket, an assist. Got the rebound on the other end of the floor. 2017, San Jose State, 11 points, eight assists, six boards. Um, That was a standout game for him. Showed his diversity as a player, a lead guard. And then you'll see here how the numbers climb as he got older. Uh, The 2019 game was critical for them because it was around the time they were playing Nevada. We're going to talk about that. Um, But I went back to his freshman year in 2017 for that game at number four. At number three, any great success back-to-back years at Colorado State. And Utah State gets the road win. Sam Merrill with 32 on the night. 2020, this past season, 32 points, five assists, four boards. Go the year before at number two. Here's Merrill. Huge shot from Sam Merrill. Six-point lead. Utah State in a slugfest in overtime. Colorado State, 2019, 38 points, eight boards, six assists. And number one. Tied at 56. Merrill for the lead. He's got it! Oh, my goodness. That was conference tournament this past season. Three-pointer to win against San Diego State. 27 points and six assists. We broke down all these games, well, not all these games, but all his big shots, excuse me, against San Diego State in the Mount West Conference Tournament. You'll see that on March Madness on all our social media platforms. So let's get to my interview with Sam Merrill. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Utah State's Sam Merrill, who had a phenomenal season, career, with the Aggies, and maybe more importantly, uh, that not everyone gets to experience or got to experience, I should say, you had a capper. You were able to put a finishing touch on a career that most people didn't get because of the ending of the conference tournaments abruptly, no NCAA tournament, because of the global pandemic. You had a buzzer beater. Uh, Utah State beat San Diego State in the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Normally, it would have been the week after, but it was the week before. So, you know, it's just crazy that it actually worked out for you guys this year. Um, Sam, take me back to that moment and that that experience that now that you can look back and say, you know what, I at least have closure. Uh, How much are you able to put that, you know, that that in perspective like that? Yeah, it's uh, it's been such a crazy... Uh, about a month and a half now. We, you know, we spent all year. Like you said, the the conference tournament was a week earlier than it normally is. We spent uh, we spent all year being upset about that, just because we were hoping to make the NCAA tournament and we didn't want to have to wait a week and a half before our next game. Um, but in hindsight, it's, just, it's such a blessing that we got to play and uh, 
obviously us as a team and me personally, we were very fortunate to to win that whole thing. And with everything that's happened and all the all the conference tournaments that got canceled and obviously the NCAA tournament being canceled, like like you said, it's been um, in hindsight, it's it's been such a blessing to have been able to finish our season like that. All right, so I, I talked to you, I remember, right after that uh, for March Madness, uh, but you've had some time to reflect on it. What do you remember most about that game, that shot? Well, that's a good question. Um, I've watched the game a couple of times, but uh, yeah, I think one thing that um, I've been able to notice re-watching the game and thinking about it is, you know, I hit that shot or whatever, and that was great, but uh, we were so good defensively in that game. San Diego State, everyone knows, you know, they're, they're always great defensively, but what made them so special this year was how good they were offensively. And when I think back on that game, it, it just, that's the type of game that you work for and that you want to play in. Both teams played with so much intensity. It felt like both teams were so locked in defensively and, and us especially, like we were so good on the defensive end and it felt like, like a game seven. It felt like a championship. So, um, I loved that opportunity, and, and it was just one of the probably the funnest game I've ever played in. When you look back at your career, and I'm going to throw a couple games at you here shortly, but um, what stands out to you about your career at Utah State? Well, I just um, I'm obviously very grateful for the experience that I had. Like it was, there were plenty of ups and plenty of downs, just like most people's college careers. Um, but as someone who who grew up. Um, as a Utah State fan, both my parents are uh, went to Utah State, so I grew up watching Utah State, and uh, Utah State's been well known as one of the better mid-major schools over the last 20 years. But my first two years, we weren't very good, and uh, that uh, that was difficult for me and for the rest of the guys on the team. So <laughs> to be able to come back with a new coaching staff my junior and senior year with with Coach Smith and how incredible he is and um, be able to get Utah State back on the map and uh, make back-to-back NCAA tournaments and, and have some pretty big wins along the way was was pretty special. It's something that I'm, I'll forever be grateful that I was able to be a part of. Yeah, think about the last few years of your life. Um, really, I could go deeper than that. I go the last four, including your mission. But you get married. Uh, you go to the tournament. You win a Mountain West Conference tournament title and would have gone to the tournament again. Player of the year, multiple years. Um, well, player of the year, what, two years ago um, when you guys went to the tournament. Um, all the preseason honors that you had. Uh, w- w- what have the last couple of years been like for you personally? Yeah, it's been, uh, been quite the rest. Uh, like I said, I got married at the end of my sophomore year in school. I saw in May of my finishing my sophomore year. Um, and that was been great. And I love my wife. I keep grateful for her, but uh, basketball wise, it's been a, it's been a whirlwind. Much much different from my first years, that's for sure. Um, but you know, I feel like I, I put in a lot of work and have worked hard, and I feel like I'm a very hard worker. So to have the individual accol- accolades and success that I had, I feel like it's just uh, first off a product of a great coaching staff and a great environment that I was a part of. But also, I feel like my hard work's paid off, so I'm grateful for that. So you took your uh, two-year LDS church mission to Nicaragua. That was in 2014 to 16. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I used to cover the WAC back in the 90s, but I'm very familiar with, um, you know, what used to happen in terms of roster management 
And I remember a lot of players uh, would, some would go out of high school, some would spend a year, then go on a mission, some would redshirt, mission, come back. Uh, and now, you know, I think more are going to probably do what you did, which is do your mission, then you can play straight through. So there's all these different ways to do it. Uh, but it's a unique situation uh, that, you know, tends to obviously be players that might be at Utah State, BYU, Utah Valley, Southern Utah, not not only the Utah schools, obviously, but there might be more there. The way in which you did it, um, you know, how beneficial is it to get your mission done, you know, serve in that manner before you start your college basketball career versus doing it after at least spending a year with your program? Yeah, for me, it was, I think, the perfect way of being able to leave right away. I graduated high school and left um, a week and a half after graduating. So the reason, I think, you know, like you said, a lot of guys used to go to school for a year and either play or register. And um, before, the age that you were supposed to, the age that you were eligible to go on your mission was 19. And then when I was in high school, my junior year of high school, they changed that age for, for males and lowered it to 18. So I think now you're seeing a lot of more guys just um, head head to their missions right after high school. Because like you said, I think it's better um, to, to go on it and then have all four years to play rather than having that two-year break. I know that's hard for some people. I know a couple people that, that said that was very difficult for them. So for me, and I think for a lot of the guys that are doing it now with age change, people going when they're 18 now, I think that's much more helpful. So you did your mission in Nicaragua in this global pandemic. Uh, you know, we know that obviously the United States is hard hit, uh, the number one country hit in the world on this. Still, we have a lot of amenities as the most developed nation in the, in the world. Uh, how worried are you, uh, because you spent two years there, about what could happen in Nicaragua? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a difficult difficult time i know they haven't been hit super hard yet so um i think they're fortunate as far as that goes but we're talking about staying at home here in, in the united states in nicaragua most people don't even have homes like their homes are are either tin houses or wood houses and they don't they don't have yards like houses are connected and for people walk I don't know, across the street or down the street to the little stores to get their food every day. So like social distancing in a place like that is impossible. So not to mention, um, like you said, the resources aren't quite as well. Um, so there's always constantly people in the hospitals and I don't think they're great hospitals as is. So, um, you know, we're just hoping for the best and me, especially for them down there that, uh, hopefully that it doesn't hit them too hard. Like I said, I don't have yet to this point. So, Hopefully they can stay on the right track. So, all right. Uh, and I wanted you to get a chance to say that. Let me let me look at some of these games, okay, and see what you think. Okay. And I want you, what, what, what do you remember the most? So we talked about number one, and that was March 7th, 2020, the Mountain West Conference Championship game. So now let's work our way down here. January 5th, 2019, Air Force. 18 points, 12 assists, five rebounds, two steals. What do you remember that game? I don't remember much of that game, to be honest. I think we had just lost to Nevada on the road. So if I remember correctly, we had a really good preseason, kind of took everyone in the league by storm because no one expected us to be very good. And our first conference game was against Nevada. 
So people were saying, hey, if this is the team that's going to challenge Nevada, obviously you remember, but if people remember Nevada preseason top 10 team, they were undefeated at that point. Um, if anyone is going to challenge Nevada in the Mountain West, it's going to be Utah State. So first conference game of the year, and they just smoked us. We lost by, I think, 25. Did not play well. We missed every single shot. So our next game was against Air Force. Um, and typically against Air Force, in my time at Utah State, we struggled at their place, but we never had any issues playing them at home. So um, I just remember coming out, and like I said, we did not shoot the ball well against Nevada, so I felt like I wanted to get guys involved. And uh, I guess that's why I had my – I would think I think that's my career high assist. All right, so another game, March eighth, twenty seventeen, first round of the Mountain West Conference um, against San Jose State. You had eleven points, eight assists, and six boards and three steals. Well, I was a much different player as a freshman. <laughs> um, I was more of more of like a glue guy. I think I averaged like nine points a game as a freshman. So um, I, I just tried to be a glue guy, make plays, defend. Um, again, I don't have a great recollection of that game, but we did end up winning by 35 or something. So that was exciting. You were close. You won by 36. Um, all right. So now I'm going to go to the two games right below the Mountain West Conference championship game. March 5th, 2019 at Colorado State, 38 points, eight boards, six assists, one block, one steal. Overtime win. What do you remember? So that, I think that was my second best, the second best game I ever played in my career. Um, but there's a lot that goes into that game. It was, it was right after we had beaten Nevada at home in that super emotional, super intense. That was kind of like the culmination of our season being Nevada at home. Uh, sell out crowds, storm the court, all that stuff. And then obviously you remember what happened after with the, the locker room stuff. So that was very, very emotional, and it was a quick turnaround. We played Colorado State two days later on the road, so we just had we had no juice in that game, and, and we I thought we prepared pretty well, understanding how difficult that game was going to be. Um, we had to win that game to clinch a share of the of the regular season championship, so we knew how how difficult it was going to be and how important it was, but again, we just had no legs, like Emotionally and physically, we were drained from that Nevada game and from playing San Diego State before that. But uh, every year at Colorado State, I did the same thing. This well, year. no, no. So I'm going to say that the other game that I'm bringing up here, February 11th, 2020. So this season at Colorado State again, 32 points, five assists, four boards, one steal. You win by three. Yeah, I don't know. I just loved playing at Colorado State. I guess um, got real confident about those things and. Uh, they were both really tightly contested games, and both of those games were big, big wins for us in both those years. All right, for the record, in that Mountain West Conference Championship game, you had 27-6 and six and a steal and the game winner. Uh, so clearly, uh, you know, at least for me, that's your best because you went out on top. Uh, all right, what's the plan? Uh, well, first of all, during the, the, the shutdown here, how are you able to stay in shape and work out as you prepare for the NBA draft whenever that is? Yeah, it's been, I know it's been difficult for a lot of people. I've been fortunate where I don't have access to a weight room, but uh, I have a treadmill here in my house and I do have a gym that I can get into. So um, that's our basketball. So I've been able to, to try and stay in shape and try and improve my game. I've been fortunate, but I know, I know a lot of people haven't had access to that. So 
still for them, but uh, I'm just I'm just trying to get in as best shape as possible. I know that's one of the biggest things when I'm trying to make the NBA, which obviously I'm trying to do. Uh, getting into great shape, improving my weaknesses is is one of the biggest things. And uh, however long this takes, it'll be good for me because I'll be able to improve my body a little bit and, and get better. Well, Sam, uh, obviously a joy to watch you in college basketball. You meant a lot to the Mountain West, Utah State. Great ambassador for the game. We appreciate that. Uh, so I uh, wish you only the best. Stay safe uh, as we try to get to the other side of this. All right. Thanks, Andy. You too. So both these players, I think, are great examples of how college basketball can mold someone, mature them, and turn them into not just a great college basketball player, but also a professional player. They stayed four years. They developed their game great leaders, great shot makers, and they have great memories, memories that'll last their entire lives, game winners to propel Oregon, Utah State to another level and to keep both those programs at an elite level out West and nationally. Uh, Both those players are going to go down as two of the greats to play at their respective programs. And that's been a common theme here this past season, and really the last couple of seasons of seniors that have had major contributions ensuring and ensuring that these programs stay at an elite level. It's better to get old and stay old if you want to win at the highest level in college basketball. And certainly at Oregon and Utah State, having Peyton Pritchard and Sam Merrill were critical in both those happening. All right, so you can check all our content out at all our social media handles with March Madness and at NCAA.com. We'll continue our senior showcase over the next couple of weeks and really just showing for you Uh, online, through highlights and video, and then, of course, through our podcast. So you can hear the stories from these players, how they got to where they are, what it meant to play at these schools for their career, and then to deliver in the manner which they did. It just means so much to them. Uh, To quote what the SEC always says about it means more, it certainly means more to these players because they stuck it out, they lasted, and they got the max out of their experiences in college basketball by getting to their senior year. As always, we appreciate your engagement and your listening and downloading our podcast here, March Madness 365, delivering you the college basketball game all year round. I'm Andy Katz. Thanks for listening.